0: Your You're gonna be live in a second. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. So yeah. um welcome to another another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk the faces behind your books. Um I'm Nathan Van Coops and today my guest is the very special, very talented Rachel Heron. Um welcome, Rachel.
1: Hi, Nathan. I've- I'm so excited to be here and a little bit like freaked out to be on Facebook Live. This is my
0: very first time anywhere. I'm thrilled to, to have you on your very first Facebook Live. It's uh it's it's an honor and a privilege. <laughs> so um I posted up a few things about your, your background, but it's it's a challenge to even give people your background because you are so multi talented. You've had so many things going on. You you Or very fractured, is another <laughs> way to say it. <laughs> um Can you tell people a little bit about what you're doing currently? What's your primary focus now? My primary focus now
1: is, always has been, and hopefully always will be, writing. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to be... A person who can follow any bunny trail though and um, and I get it right from my dad he's this entrepreneurial guy and I'm always like could I make money doing that I'll try that but my my heart and my livelihood is really invested in writing books so mm-hmm. I spend I try to spend the majority of my time writing and revising books um, I write uh, mainstream literary fiction I write feminist romance I write memoir and I've recently written a nonfiction book about how to fast-draft memoir and i also teach in the extension programs at um uc berkeley and stanford mm-hmm. um and i coach writing and i have a po- couple of podcasts so i'm well. fully self employed oh thank you yeah. i was well it was so nice to meet you and i met at um the awesome chicago salmore book show summit
0: yeah another uh, thing you do conference. as a, a conference speaker that's another yeah. uh, feather in your cap which is great
1: i I love doing that. I've actually got, like, four more coming up this year, Um, and it's so fun for me. I love talking about writing, and you might know this, that, like, as writers, even when we're talking to normal non-writers, in the back of our minds, we're always thinking about writing, and we always Mm -hmm. want to talk about writing.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not a chore, because it's something that you love to talk about anyway, and it makes it easy to teach because you love it. Exactly. Yeah. So, um yeah, it was a, a really a pleasure meeting you in person in Chicago. That was great. So, I appreciated uh, having the opportunity to hear you speak as well and um I got a lot out of your your talk and um for those who weren't there, uh Rachel gave a wonderful talk on the revision process and why it's important. And um that was one of the things I was excited to delve into today on this episode because um as we were just saying before we hit record, that the, the um, revision process is sort of a, a mystery for some people. Like people think, "Oh, well, I I wrote this novel, I've got this first draft, I'm just going to go ahead and publish it, right?" Or, or they don't know the difference between revision and editing. Um, right. And because you know, there's copy editing, there's proofreading, and and sometimes people are like, "Well, wait, 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 what's what? What's revision? Could you? What? How would you define revision?" I think I spent the first
1: thirty-five years of my life not knowing, not having a clue what revision was like yeah. I was one of those people and you may have been the same and a lot of your listeners um, that you know you wrote your paper in college and you proofed it for typos and that's all I could do mm-hmm. I could, if, if, a, if a teacher and, and they never did because I was like slipped by like they liked my work but um, yeah. if they had said you know tear up this paper and revise it I wouldn't have known what to do mm-hmm. and and I wrote three books um, while I was you know getting ready to actually become a writer three terrible books which will never see the light of day and they're so awful. I have a 500 page character sketch, you know, that mm. I thought was kind of like a novel and it's not even done. Um, yeah. and the reason they're still in the drawer is because I couldn't revise. Uh, but to me, revision is learning how to take this, um, real, real, uh, bird's eye view, top down look mm-hmm. at the entire structure of what you're working on, and being able to see um, not only your the the plot of your arc, but your character arcs. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the arc of your plot, but your and your character arcs, and putting all of those things together to get the maximum value within a plot, uh, and and sometimes that really means destroying a book. And for yeah. those of us who are so close to our work, that's just a terrifying thing to talk about. But in the course of learning how to do it and um, and I and I mentioned at the summit uh, I had to do it because I failed spectacularly on my second um, uh, bought book I you know I sold a three book deal to HarperCollins mm-hmm. my first book I kind of write, wrote organically and I revised it as well as I could but it just kind of came out right yeah and my second book which was due six months later, you know, on contract, um, I just I just turned in a terrible book. My editor called me and said, you know, I love your writing, I love your character, I love your dialogue, um, mm-hmm. but you have no plot. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think I said this at the summit, but um, I remember saying uh, to her, oh, my God, you know, do you think I can fix it? And I expected her to say, yeah, of course you can. Sure, I'll help you. And I remember her saying real clearly, I don't know. It's going to be a lot of heavy
0: lifting. Ouch. yeah
1: (laughs) so I had to go learn how to take a book apart and and since I've learned um, it's become just absolutely my favorite thing to do I hate first drafts now because Mm -hmm. revision really feels like where the magic is where the real fun is
0: yeah which and not everyone shares that view by (laughs) by a long shot (laughs) but um, I think that that is a a magical not magical but a a fundamental skill to have because um, you know people sometimes do become successful kind of on accident, and then they, yes. they did something right, but if you ask them what it was that they did right, they don't know. Like, oh, this book took off. This yep. book was a great hit. And then they try to, try to reenact this, like you said. Yep. Uh, try to build this again. If you don't understand the, the actual pieces involved, then, you know, how are you going to rebuild it?
1: Right, um, right.
0: So one of the things that I know when I have a book, I'm, I'm one of the people who struggles with revision. I'm always super excited about it until I have to do it. <laughs> and then, like, I, as I'm writing along in my book, I'm thinking, "Oh, this is this is going to be great." Once I have a whole novel, then I'll be able to look at it and think, "Oh, I can now see the big picture." But then, once I have a whole novel, I th- I look at it and think, "Oh no, now I've got this <laughs> whole novel. How am I supposed to see it? It's now it's all there." So, Thomas. what are some of your your tips for writers to take this big picture view and then start to break it down into? little steps that are maybe more manageable.
1: I have a couple things that I swear by. Um, What I really like to do, I kind of think about this while I'm writing the book, the first draft, sometimes even before I start writing the book, Mm -hmm. uh, but it changes. But at the end of the book, when I have this really crappy first draft, just, you know, an entire mess on the page, um, I I figure out what its theme is. And a theme is just like a pithy, almost, you know, a cliche, you know, is your theme... Um, one of mine that I often use is family is chosen you know so we choose the family that we have around us Mm -hmm. Um, another one of mine is just the mother-daughter relationship so I'll write a little post-it you've heard me talk about Mm -hmm. post it's I love a post it in the revision process Um, and I'll write the theme on it and I'll put it on the top of my computer so as I go into this revision I make sure that every scene I'm working on can reflect that scene that that theme in some way even if it's really really small It's just a touchstone to work through the book. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I think I've just seen this change people's careers basically is the very simple sentence outline. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, A lot of us, are you a pantser or a plotter?
0: I am a reformed pantser that is now a plotter.
1: Oh, that's perfect. (laughs) I think, I think a lot of us are reformed pantsers. I am definitely a reformed pantser. And for absolute newbies, a pantser is somebody who writes by the seat of their pants without a plan, without plotting. Um, but a lot of us start out, I, what I do is I start out with a rough idea, a rough outline of what mm-hmm. I think is going to happen. And it goes out the window, you know, by 25%. And I'm, and I'm really flailing my way through the, through the end of a first draft. I think mm-hmm. something that people nowadays, um, especially in the indie market where we talk about these things, what we have going for us is that there is a lot of talk nowadays about story structure. Mm-hmm. And you know, six years ago, eight years ago, there wasn't that much talk about story structure. A lot of us have studied and are actively thinking about, you know, what should happen at that twenty to twenty-five percent mark. What mm-hmm. what should we do with that context shifting midpoint? Um, no matter what kind of process you've used or learned, you could have done Story Grid or Larry Brooks or mm-hmm. the Hero's Journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have this in mind when we write, but what we write is just a bunch of crap. Um, hopefully that's what you that's what you write and you get to the end because the most important thing is getting to the end mm-hmm. so you can revise it um, but then what I do is I actually go from the top of the book to the bottom book all, all the way through and I write just one sentence in an outline form one sentence per scene of what happened in that scene so it is not my ideal book it's not the one I tried to write it has mm-hmm. it all has almost nothing to do with the outline I started with but um now I'm looking at an actual sentence outline. You know, okay. Tom goes to the store and meets Jane. Mm-hmm. Jane crashes her bicycle. I have an actual top down look at the book and I can read my entire book in two minutes, three minutes after this is done. And you can't lie. You can't cheat your way out of this one. Right. You know, you can't say that this is where I, I hope the battle happens. You just have to say if the battle happened or not. Yeah. And when you do have this in front of you in black and white, your book looks really, really different. Suddenly mm-hmm. you can see oh, my God, I, you know, the, the person who read, you know, my beta reader really didn't like this character. Now I can see why, because we only saw him at the very beginning and at the very end, even though in my mind I'd written a bunch more scenes, I hadn't mm-hmm. actually gotten it on the page. You know, all of these things start to jump out, and you can actually apply, a lot of people, including myself, um, that's when I really apply structure, is I kind of pants my way through the first draft, and then I apply structure um, onto that outline, and I say, oh, this was a really strong moment where something contextually changed for this character. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, it's at the forty percent mark, and I have a bunch of filler here. Why don't I move that down to the fifty percent mark, where something really should change and a new journey begin? Um, and think about what I'm going to fill in that that stuff above it. With does that make sense?
0: Yeah, and I think it it would make sense too that if you spot a sentence you've described a scene and you have a sentence that really doesn't relate to anything else in the book. And you see this sentence sitting there like, what has that got to do anything with anything? That just oh. needs to go, you know?
1: And absolutely. <laughs> and I can almost guarantee you that that sentence where you're like, oh, that doesn't fit in my book is probably one of the best scenes in the book. Mm. Like, that is the one that you're married to, that yeah. you laughed your way through or you cried your way through and you couldn't wait everybody in the world to read this. And it's yeah. the one that's got to go.
0: That's the so, that needs killing. It,
1: it's a darling that needs to be stabbed yeah <laughs> oh my god and um and it's painful and that is one of the reasons I advocate not okay so can we talk a little bit about revising as you go
0: absolutely please
1: you know how I feel about this um, I believe and and I believe a lot of things <laughs> I believe that everything I say is right and that you should not accept anything I say unless it's right for you um, but where I will push very hard is I do believe that most writers should write a crappy first draft and get mm-hmm. to the end. There are so many writers who believe that they are so, they are such perfectionists that they just can't keep the book going. They can't go, keep going forward in the book until the first mm-hmm. parts that they've written are perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that's the wrong method unless uh, you can revise as you go. Mm-hmm. If that is your method and the and has to be there and you are getting books done that you are pleased with.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you are just another writer who says, I think this is my process, but I've never finished a book, or I think this is my process, but I've never finished a book I'm proud of, then that's not your process. Your process is to yeah. fast-draft your way to the end of a book and then start revising um, because most people falsely believe that. And And have you noticed, though, that a lot of us people who thought we had to pants We become fans of revision.
0: It makes your... Well, I think the first time you hit a really big wall and you don't know where your story is going, then you realize how desperately you need the outline. I've... I've broken down partway through a book and then gone back and reread a book on. I read reread Libby Hawker's book on outlining. Yes, halfway. Take off your pants. Yeah, I re- yeah. read "Take Off Your Pants" like two thirds the way through a novel. I'm like, I just I got to start over like, and like figure out what I'm doing. And I was trying to because I realized I was simultaneously trying to wrap up a series and a a book oh. at <laughs> And I'm like, this is this is way big. I should have outlined this. <laughs>
1: I can I can almost guarantee yeah. you that every. Book on structure I've ever read is when I'm about at the two thirds mark in a book and I'm panicking. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just gonna learn another one because <laughs> you
0: see the climax coming, but if it doesn't match up what you've got, you're like, what on earth? Like, that's I, um... I can,
1: yeah, I can usually see the climax coming, but I never know how to fix it
0: yeah. ever. So um... I'm gonna write like that. I will say that I fall into this weird little subcategory of revisers as you go that I don't do it out of perfectionism. I do it out of um, forcing myself to not publish too quickly when it's done, because I know that m- me personally, like I know that I'm super excited to revise. Like I said, until I get to the revision point, and then I'm I get super excited to publish, and I'm like, oh, I I just yes. w- I just want to put it out so I can start working on the next one, and so my method of of solving that is by not writing the end yet until I've I'm most of the way revised. I'm, I'm not stalling. I'm not perfecting. I'm I'm forcing myself to revise a whole bunch just because I know that when I get to the revision stage, I'm just going to be antsy and I need to like, I'm putting the brakes, I'm putting the brakes on myself, which is, and I
1: will, and I will admit to you that I, 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 I have this big song and dance about you must finish your crappy first draft. Yeah. But I do also believe that, um, if you're, if you're writing to a satisfying dark moment, Mm -hmm. A really good dark moment in which all is lost and our characters can't figure their way out Mm -hmm. Um, it's best if you can't figure your way out like I know that I've written a good dark moment if I get to the end and go well well that the books over every I'm gonna have to kill everybody because there's no way to answer this (laughs) and then it will go back and and this is my process I usually spend about a month trying to write to the end and then I remember oh this is my process this is where I stop and I go back and revise all the way to the end and somewhere in there that revelation comes, and that's the way to fix it. So I think I do exactly the same thing.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah. That, I think everyone has to figure their own brain out a little bit. Yeah, the, the way they construct story, and we all understand story, but we have to like the way we build it. Sometimes is different. Yeah. Um, you talked at the conference. One of the things you talked about was uh, a variety of passes. You said that you're just going through, looking for specific things each time. Can you talk a little bit about some of the the passes that you do on a on a draft?
1: Yeah, I do these revision passes because, um, I think I used to get just so overwhelmed. Not only did I have my sentence outline and I mm. know that I'm going to be removing, you know, I've written all over the sentence outline. I know I'm going to be removing the scene, adding a scene here, da 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 So I start at the beginning of the book and I start to work my way through these ideas. And at the same time, I'm thinking, oh geez, did I have enough setting? Oh my mm. god, did I ever describe this person? Yeah. Um, do, is there enough viscerality in their reactions? And trying to do that in every paragraph as you go through an entire 80, 90,000 word book is so overwhelming. So mm-hmm. I kind of gave myself permission to really just look at character arc and plot structure mm-hmm. in that massive first revision. I mm-hmm. call it going from the zero draft to
0: mm-hmm. the first
1: draft. Mm-hmm. Um, my first draft is something I could send out to my you know agent or um, my beta readers. The zero yeah. draft is the one that I would literally have to come back and kill myself if I accidentally died before while it yeah. was still on my computer and I think yeah. I mentioned there uh, Jenny Kruse's, um truck draft mm-hmm. your goal is always to mm-hmm. get it to a truck draft which is yeah. the which is the draft that might not be good enough but it could be published if you got hit by a truck <laughs> so you're trying to take it from zero draft to the to the truck draft and yeah. um, so I do the major stuff um, but I do not look at uh, things like setting because I never I never remember to put in settings I, I put in they walked into the library and then they're just heads in space there's nothing yeah. around them and I let that happen until I do a settings pass and I go through the whole book and I add all that in it's almost like um, I'm, I'm not an artist but like a, like a painter like the oil painters do you know like this pass with this background and the gesso mm-hmm. and then they build up adding something else um, I do that for and everybody has different lists of these if you use this kind of thing but I do setting I do um, uh, character description and I okay. do uh, visceral emotion shown through the body um, rather than telling so I do that um, and then so take the form of like yeah.
0: dialogue tags and replacing dialogue tags that sort of thing with action or d- more than that. some
1: people some people do a dialogue pass um, just to make sure that you know just to see if they could take out some of the seds mm-hmm. do a couple more action beats in mm-hmm. order to you know to attach to the dialogue for some reason that's one of my strengths and it just automatically happens so that's not something I usually look at but I know people who do yeah. um, my very last pass and my very favorite pass is what I call, uh, what I call the lyrical pass. And mm. that is when I get to go through because now I have fixed the book. It's in the structure that I want. I know mm. that it works as a book and it delivers the emotional value that I want to give people. Um, I know that the language is all in there. The setting is all in there. And then I get to do the really fun part, which is go back and read the book through and make each sentence as beautiful and or as sturdy or as Energetic as I need each sentence to be, and um, and the reason for that is again, it's like if you've already done that to these passages and they're gorgeous and you love them, then it is harder to see that they need to go. Yeah, it's so much
0: harder to cut them if you've spent that much time on them.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, I'm being called out in the comments by some of my beta (laughs) readers. A lot of the people, Kay and Sean, are all people that are on my beta team, and they've been. I did an an unusual thing with this draft of this book I'm doing now. It's book four of a series. And I actually gave out chapters as I was writing them. Um, Oh, my God. How did that feel? Well, I I felt fine at first until I had to revise the first five chapters like four times. I think they saw, you know, (laughs) multiple versions of the first five chapters um, until I figured out what I was doing. They they literally saw this change completely until I figured out where I was going and then wrote my way to the end. And then uh, but uh, Sean's calling me out for for moving up my launch already. He knows that I've <laughs> I already bumped my my launch date up a little bit. Um <laughs> <That's> but, <laughs> but yeah, so the, these guys are currently in the in the process. I'm I'm right in the middle of a revision right now, so that's why this this conversation is uh, very fitting. Oh, cool. And uh, these are some of the folks who are literally reading some of my drafts right now. So that's um, that's fun. They're going to be able to what p- do you- pick apart my stuff.
1: What do you find is the most difficult um, in revision and what is the most enjoyable part of revision for you
0: um, I love when pieces fit together I think I love coming to the end and then I write time travel so it's especially mm-hmm. satisfying when the beginnings yeah. are affected by the ends and vice versa and people think like oh now I get why that person did that and yeah. it was something that happened in the future that affected their past and I get, to, I get to play with all these little twists but it's very satisfying for me to to close loops, and like in any kind of fiction, awesome. there's, there's little loops that you have mm-hmm. to close, and they, it has to make sense anyway, whether it's time travel or not. But um, sometimes I'll go back through, and all my problem is in the beginning when I'm first writing, I'm opening all these little loops, yeah. and then at the end I'm like, oh, I didn't use this one or this one or this one. I've got to go and just cut that, 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 and then just you know, heavy use of the delete button. Um, Especially on the first few chapters, just because that didn't go anywhere. That didn't go anywhere.
1: I actually use um, I use Mm. an asterisk as my flag in my Mm. in my versions. Other people use you know the letters TK because Mm. those don't often show up together in the English language, if at all. Um, But every time I do that, when I start writing a book, I'll put an asterisk next to you know like when she leans down to pet her dog. I know the asterisk Mm -hmm. means does she have a dog? Does she need a dog? (laughs) What am I gonna do with this dog? Usually, usually she needs a dog
0: but <laughs> that's a good, that's a really good tip. I have to I mean can and then you can search for
1: them. Yeah. Because otherwise also our eyes in revision, our eyes do get used to going over the same things over and over mm-hmm. again. And we don't see the problems mm-hmm. much like when we talk about, you know, edit editing for typos and stuff. We mm-hmm. can't see those things. Exactly. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's
1: really cool. Why, dog? Why <laughs> dog? Because, um, I don't know. Cause they're, they're like surrounding me. I literally yeah. have, Three almost within arm's reach that is the sum total of dogs but um they do they do turn up
0: (laughs) they end up in books all the time right
1: exactly um
0: we have a question from sean he says rachel are most books written in a linear way uh nathan seems to do that but is that common
1: that's a great question um I would venture a guess that like 55% of books Mm -hmm. are written linearly. Um, I think it's the majority of writers write linearly, but I have known a lot of writers who don't. Uh, oh, who wrote Outlander? Diana Gabaldon. Mm -hmm. She writes like 100% out of sequence. And I, I believe she has a, (laughs) she has a very hard time putting her books together. Um, and she said that. That's why it takes her five or seven years for a book because she has, Hundreds of thousands of words and scenes mm-hmm. that really don't fit together at all. And mm-hmm. then she kind of stitches them together. Um, other people know their whole book, but they go through and write the scenes that are most exciting to them mm-hmm. at that moment. Like, I don't feel like writing about this. I'm yeah. going to write the car chase, yeah. which to me sounds really fun, but my brain doesn't work that way. And I've tried, uh, but when I go, if I try to go write the car chase scene and I don't know what they had for breakfast yesterday, I just, mm-hmm. ah. I can't. I can't, I get stuck. I get really stuck. Um, I had a friend who wrote really hot um, uh, what is it when not teleporting, but when you when you can read each other's minds. What's that word?
0: Tele-kine- not telekinesis. Yeah, telekinesis exactly.
1: Yeah. She she wrote um, telekinetic books. Telepathic.
0: Uh, telepathic. Wrote, telepathic. Tele- sorry, that's what, is telekinesis is up is up Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> she wrote telepathic books. They were very, very hot. Um but and not but um and really really beautiful and she wrote all the sex scenes first hmm. and that's how she got to know her characters and I'm that's like that be like peeking in some windows of yeah. people I'd even know <laughs> but it worked for her that's how she started yeah, so but I would it. I think that most people write linearly I definitely do
0: I think I usually have about one scene per book that I've written in advance Um oh. I remember my second novel I just ha- had a scene in my mind where I ejected the main character out of a space station into space and then I just left him there for months while I wrote and the rest. of Know the story. why? I don't know how he how he's going to get back. I'm like I'm injecting him into space because I feel like it, and then I will f- solve that problem when I get there. And then wrote my way to it, and then eventually came up with a solution for how to keep you know, keep that him alive. Awesome though? It was when fun, when yeah.
1: the pieces fit together,
0: yeah. and
1: you know it. Yeah, um, Kay said it takes almost that long to read Diana's books. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree, and I also love
0: her writing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that is part of the problem. I mean, if you're writing a big book like that, I mean, some I have, some of hers like 900 pages or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, they're huge, they're huge. Yeah. And she's got to keep that whole world. Yeah. No, no I don't want to do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to shift tracks just a little bit, just because. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't have too much time left, but I want you write memoir, and you wrote a book on how to write memoir, and I haven't had a memoir writer yet, and that's something that I just wanted to touch on a little bit. Yeah. Um, turning a life into a story. Like, what's what is the the key to to successfully transforming? I mean, because your life's not over when you're writing it, so there's no natural ending. Right. How do you distill the essence of a life story into a story?
1: I love that you asked that because I could just talk about memoir. Memoir is definitely my favorite genre. It's my favorite to teach. It's something I'm super, super passionate about. And the reason I like it is that normal people can do it too. Mm. Not just us crazy writers. Like normal people have crazy lives that Mm -hmm. really can be made into incredible books. Mm -hmm. Um, The difference between autobiography and memoir Mm. is autobiography is the story of your life. It's how you were born, where you were raised, you know, how you went through your life. Quentin yeah. Crisp famously said, um, "An autobiography is a serialized obituary, missing the last chapter."
0: Hmm. So, That's but a yeah. memoir,
1: on the other hand, is um, you can have as many as you want. You yeah. can have a 15-year-old with three memoirs. Uh, you can have there. There's something famously called the six-word memoir, which is an online kind of challenge where you write your memoir in six words, um, using as its inspiration the apocryphal. Uh, Hemingway six word memoir that said, um, for sale, baby shoes never worn. Yeah. There's mm. an entire story in there. Yeah. Um but a memoir is basically it's it's about a slice of time in one's life, like mm-hmm. the time you went backpacking in the Andes. Um, or um stories in your life around a theme. Um so mm. my memoir called A Life in Stitches is a collection of essays uh written about the sweaters or whatever was on my needles and my needle needles at the time as I was going through certain life events. And the interesting thing about memoir and the thing I love to talk about is that it has the same structure as anything else. If you know story structure, Mm -hmm. you apply that to memoir writing. You Mm -hmm. want the inciting incident. You want the first turning point. You want that context switching midpoint. You want Mm -hmm. the dark moment where everything was lost and you couldn't recover. Yeah. You want the resolution. That's how we read memoir. And it's, and it's so exciting. I just love it. If you were to write a memoir, if you mm. had to write one next month, what would yours be about?
0: Oh gosh. Well, um, yeah, just we, my wife and I just had a child. So that would be a, a wonderful little chapter thing um, to write. Um, I'm sure that's always shows about up a lot. like a,
1: a maternal paternal, um, memoir. Yeah. I'm like, I'm an auto I love those kind.
0: Um what are some of the different subcategories of memoir that you think are are fun?
1: I love <laughs> to be very specific. I really like the um recovery from a cult. A, a cult, you yeah. know, like you know I was I was born in a cult and I got out of it. I uh I love um addiction memoirs. Mm-hmm. Um there's this one kind called the pastoral memoir, where basically two people, usually it's a couple, buy a farm in upstate New York and learn that they should never have left their banking jobs in order to start this farm. And we see the, you know, we see all of the pain and the the chickens and the yeah. um, and all that. But anything any anything, I'll read any memoir as long as the writer is willing to go into their shame. Mm-hmm. And into de- their dark parts and actually look at it mm-hmm. and lift it up and show it to us. Um, if you just want to tell me about your fabulous life, we're all bored. Like, yeah. nobody wants to read that. That's a, that's a, that's a sports figure memoir. I don't want to read that. I want to read how people are broken and I want to read how they fix themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about memoir the most. And all fiction, actually. Yeah. Uh, question. So fiction memoir is a thing. Um, there are some people writing fictional memoirs. It's a very confused line to straddle right now. Um, yeah. Michael Chabon just came out with them. They call it a fictional memoir, so there is a lot that is true and a lot that is fictional. It's impossible to tell where those end. I find those mm. frustrating mm.
0: Uh,
1: because I want to be either told as much truth as I can, as they can know, mm-hmm. or I want to, I want to read something made up.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of on, I'm the same way. I would like to know that yeah. this is firmly fiction or yeah, because you know. then you then you start wondering you know if you start. Inter- interacting with this person, or How do you know what's, yeah. what's true? What what they've made up? Although I do, I do love um, the idea of the imagined uh, actions, like you know, Big Fish, the movie Big Fish, I don't know if you, yeah, where it's I just like that. he's. It's kind of a, a story about about this man's life, I- exaggerated. I kind of like, yes, you know, like exaggerated that exaggerated
1: life. Gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, I will say that I, I really really love that, and the, and the whole question of truth is yeah. difficult. Um, that's one thing you have to tackle when you're doing memoir is what is truth? it is it to you? And what do you accept as truth? Will you recreate dialogue that you had when you were seven? You yeah. don't remember those words. Nobody does.
0: Right. But, so you know, perception of
1: the reader will. Accept that exactly. Yeah. Presented as truth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Well, I could talk to you for hours and I, I just like the sound of your voice on your podcast. I've told you oh. that before. It's just like I feel like people that when you when you were a dispatcher, people were probably just waiting for you to call. and Be like, oh. Oh, sure, you know I'll, sure, I'll respond to that emergency. I don't even know <laughs> if I ever said this. I might have said it to Jay once, but um, on the
1: on the police radio late at night, <laughs> they used to call me AM Love, and, <laughs> and, and me and this one cop would try to out sexy our voices. You know, he would yeah. say that he was at the station, which was nine oh eight D, and I would say I copy, which was nine oh
0: four, and I just remember going nine oh four. Had to be a so, lot of fun. Thank you. Do you, do you narrate your own books?
1: I I only narrated um I I've, I've had lots of narrators but I only narrated Fast Drafter Memoir. Mm. Um which I will say was a fantastic experience and even if you're not interested in memoir for your listeners everything I know about writing is basically in that book right. including there's a whole chapter on revision.
0: So well, I will definitely check that out cuz like I said ah. I, I need to. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and chatting with us and, you. and sharing your Such knowledge. Such a delight. Yeah. This and I'm going to have of... you
1: on my show shortly. So my show is How Do You Write? So if anybody wants to come watch that. Yeah,
0: check out um, Rachel's podcast, the How Do You Write podcast. And where else can people find you uh, and more information about you and your books?
1: Uh, um And it's Rachel spelled a little bit weird like Michael, R-I-C-H-A-E-L. Mm-hmm. I have a Patreon at patreon.com. Slash Rachel, and on that I write essays, me- memoir-like creative non-fiction, es- nonfiction essays about the creative life. Mm-hmm. Um, and my essays
0: are great. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. What
1: a, that's very nice. Yeah. Very nice of you to say. And Twitter, I love Twitter. I hate Facebook, but I, I am there. But um, Twitter, Rachel Heron you can
0: you can usually find me there at least three or four times a day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fantastic. Nathan? Yeah, it's been such a pleasure. All right, well, thanks so much, and thank you everyone for watching and for commenting. Nice. And um, if you want to leave more comments in underneath the video, um, we will be able to respond a little bit after as well. Even if it's even if you're watching the replay, feel free to ask questions.
1: Yes, please. So. Love that.
0: So, thanks, all right. Nathan. All right, good thank good you, life. Rachel. Yeah. All right, talk to you later.
1: Bye. Bye.